Hey, what's up, V-Town? Man, it's good to be with you guys today. So, is he faithful? Isn't that great just to come in to our, our sermon, singing stuff like that? Man, I love it. And listen, if we have not met, my name's John Jacobs. Um, get the, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Can't see who it is out there, but good to see you. No, guys, it's always great um, every Sunday, but it's so good to be live with you, um, to be here as a body. I'm pumped up. Even though I know you guys are just here for the chicken and brownies, but it's okay. You're going to get a sermon anyway, so you're here. Listen up. Um, but really, I want to get right into it this morning because we've been talking about something pretty important. Um, I'm a dad. I got four kids. I know a lot of you got kids. We just saw them scamper out of here. We're talking about discipling these little ones coming up. And we've been taking a look at the life of Jesus and the, the gospel of Luke. And we've been looking at the, one of the few scenes that we have of his life when he's a little guy. Uh, two of the gospels don't even deal with it. And so as we're looking at that and we're talking about this, I saw this quote. As we've been going through this series. Um, Andy Stanley said this. And it just really, really hit me. You know, because we all want to do great things, Right? And it says, your greatest contribution to the world may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Man, if you're a, if you're a parent, if you want to be a parent, if you've had parents, I, I hope that kind of hits you. I mean, it certainly hits me again as a dad. I many times have seen people stand on a stage, they're sitting around a table, and they're talking about, this is who I am because of what my mom did. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm the man I am today because of my father's influence in my life. What parent wouldn't want to hear that? What parent doesn't want to see great things for their kids? But can we be honest for a minute? If you got kids, maybe you might be wondering, I don't think that's going to be me. I don't know, man. Uh, I've got four. And there has been plenty of times I wondered, man, how is this whole thing going to turn out? So, little as we're getting into this, let's just be honest again. So, we have four kids. So, we had had two. All right? And things were going pretty good. I mean, I'm John Jacob, so you know they were going great, guys. Come on. You've heard me tell my crazy parent stories. No, I wasn't the greatest dad, but thankfully my kids have an awesome mom. But we had two, and it was going all right. You know? They acted up a little bit, but I kind of got that dad thing down where I could do, I could do the dad snap and the, hey, give it to me. You know, dads don't even really talk in whole sentences. We just kind of change our tone. And Jackson, my little guy, he'd go scamping around like, well, dad's freaking out. I don't want to die. Jasmine, she kind of got down with the program, my first two. And uh, yeah, so like we got a little cocky, you know, as parents. And then God sent us this girl. God sent us. This wild child, this is my Kayla Grace. Um, I would love to tell you that I asked her to do this for the picture. This is Kayla going to bed, and I just, for some reason, took a picture. And this is what Kayla does. This is the world she lives in. Um, Kayla's favorite word when she was little, and I still think her favorite word now, is pretty much, Bleh! <laughs> It's just wild. I mean, we'll show the kids videos now, and they're like, was she always like that? I'm like, always, just nonstop energy and couldn't contain her. Um, so God wired her. But so she was our third. And I realized the discipline thing, not working so good with Kayla. She didn't get the memo. All right. And so this one time in particular, guys, I don't even remember what the situation was. Maybe I was telling him to clean up. Um, but I was like, hey, come on, let's, let's get it done. Jack, he's getting in the mode. You know, he was like my first, typical firstborn. Let's do it. Kind of looking at the other kids like, please do it. I don't want to die because of you. Jasmine, she's down with it, and there's Kayla. Uh-uh. I was like, girl, you better get moving. Now she's got the, she's a little thing, man. She's like, I don't know, three. She's standing in our living room, and she starts huffing. You ever had a kid like this, guys? Some of you know what I'm talking about. She starts huffing, and she takes her little fist, and she's looking right at me. I mean, she is just like, I will meet you in the arena, and she's got her fists balled up. I said, girl, you better unclench those fists right now and do what I tell you. 
And she goes, bit her lip even more, and she puts him behind her back. She was physically unable, I think, to unclench those fists. And she just starts hitting herself behind the back. And I thought, boy, we are in it now. We are in it now. Man, I thought I had this. I was going so good. What is happening? Okay? I can't control this girl. Guys, have you been there in your life maybe with the kid? Maybe if it wasn't with the kid, it was at work. Like things were clipping along so good, and there's a new supervisor, there's a new coworker, there's a new procedure. In your marriage, things have been going so good, and all of a sudden, something happens. You thought you had this thing. It throws you for a loop, and you're like, man, I, I don't know, man. I, it, you're thinking all these phrases, right? I'm, I'm thinking there in that moment, man, okay, this is, I can't do this. I don't want to go through this again and try to figure out another kid, man. I, I am not equipped for this in my marriage, in my parenting. I, I, I just, I'm not wise. <laughs> okay, I get it. Seems like all these other moms and dads, they got it on lockdown. I don't know what they got that I don't, but clearly I don't have it because I don't get it. Anybody feel me today? And so guys, I want to I stop for a minute because again, let's, let's be honest. This man who hasn't been there as a parent thinking like, what is wrong with me, man? Why do all these other kids, why do all these other parents, why do all these other people seem to be getting along with their life and I am going through absolute chaos? The Discipling the Next Generation series ain't working too good in my house. Could use some wisdom. So we're talking about wisdom today. And we're talking about it because, again, we're, we're looking at God's word. We're looking at the life of Jesus, the gospel of Luke. And, again, it's talking about him as a little guy. And we come across this this passage here. So we're really just looking actually at two verses. Since we don't do this a lot, jump around, but there's a reason we're doing this because the verses are very similar. So in Luke 2:40 it says the child grew and became strong, and he, Jesus, this little boy was filled with wisdom. Later, after a story we'll be dealing with in that same chapter, God takes time again to inspire Luke this, to let us know that that Jesus He's 12 at this time. Jesus grew in wisdom. I don't know about you, but since we're being honest again, I'm like, well, of course Jesus did. Thank you, God, for that little tidbit. I'm so glad that little boy Jesus was filled with wisdom. I could use an outline here, God, by the way. How exactly was he filled? How did he grow? What am I doing wrong with my kid? Because they're filled with a lot of stuff, but it ain't wisdom. Okay? And while you're at it, God, I could use a little bit of that. Because I clearly don't have what I need. Maybe my parents didn't pass it on to me because there's something wrong in here that I'm clearly not getting because it's not working. Again, anybody feel me today, man? Man, I could use some wisdom. So let's, let's talk about this, guys. Let's look at this because it's, it's been really healthy for me in my life to process through this, and looking at the scriptures, looking at Jesus' life. And I really think it's going to give freedom to some of you guys out here today. So let's just start with this, this concept again of, of wisdom and dispel some lies and shed some light on some truth. And, man, why don't we have it? Well, that is the million-dollar question because according to God's word, I want to promise you, and wisdom is not some elusive thing. It's not for the elite. God tells us that wisdom is available at all times. And that's to all people. That's not just Christians. That's just not the Bible scholars. That's just not to the good people or smart people. It says it's available to all of us at any time. Again, don't take my word for it. It's right there in the scriptures. Man, you don't have what you need to raise these kids. You don't have what you need to navigate those waters at work. You don't have what you need to like, understand some things that are happening in your life right now. Ask God. Sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Let me write that down. Guys, ask God. How many times in my life have I needed an answer? And the last place I'm going is to God. You need wisdom? Ask God. And maybe you might get it. Nope. What does God's word say? Oh, he's going to give generously to all. Without finding fault, it's not the good guys, the bad guys. He wants you to have it. It will be given to you. Let's let the word define the word. We see a beautiful example of this in the scripture. A lot of us know who was one of the wisest men who ever lived. It was King Solomon. 
You remember this story, guys? He's, he's a little dude, by the way. The Bible, guys, I say it all the time, please fall in love with the Bible. It's, it's written so real. So he's this young ruler, and in the scriptures he says that he doesn't know what he's doing. And God comes to him in a dream and says, listen, I'm going to give you one thing, whatever you want, just ask me for it. And this, this little guy, this little ruler says, well, you know what I need, actually, God? Like, I need some help. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to rule these people, and you've put me in this position. You've been so gracious to us. I could use a discerning heart. I could use some knowledge. I could use some wisdom. And what happened? God said, you bet, buddy. Here you go. Fascinating. It's, it's the scripture. He wants us to have it. This guy became one of the wisest men. And Jesus is reading about this. Jesus is growing in this. And where is he finding that, guys? Again, he's finding it in the word. So much of what we're doing with wisdom every week here on Sunday, so much of what we're doing on our men's groups, our women's groups, what's happening right now in our kids' ministry, Brian with our students, is opening up the word, not to just give you guys facts or little tidbits, to have God pour into your life to give you wisdom to help you with your life. Jesus was absolutely reading specifically all the scriptures, but these three books deal pretty much exclusively with the idea of wisdom. They're known as the wisdom books. And he's reading from them, and he's growing in them. And we can't look at them all today. I got like 40 minutes to try to Help us with some wisdom here, but we're going to look at Proverbs a little bit. So I want to start there, because a lot of us know Proverbs is kind of like the wisdom book, right? And Proverbs does something fascinating. Again, it's called this ancient wisdom tradition that was around, and it says that wisdom, ladies, you're going to love this, wisdom is a woman. So look at the guy next to you and say, I told you so. I told you so. Yep, wisdom is a woman. Tell them, ladies. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Hebrew word there is hakma. It's a feminine word. In Greek, it's Sophia. We can see that's a girl's name. And there's this woman wisdom that speaks. It's beautiful. It's powerful. She's, she's alive. She's electric. She's pumped up. She's excited. She's dancing. That's how the scripture talks about this woman wisdom. So let's go into Proverbs and, and look at what she does a little bit. And again, I want us to think how we think of wisdom, this elusive thing, this hidden thing. And look what the scripture says. Out in the open, wisdom, this woman is calling aloud. She raises her voice in the public square on top of the wall. She cries out. Does that sound hidden to you guys? Where is she at? She's in the open. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! I got some stuff. Hey, I want to help you. She raises her voice. She's not whispering. You don't got to like, what? What was that? She ain't in some closet. She's not in a cave hiding under a crystal like Yoda. Maybe you'll find me. She's out in public, man. She's on the top of the wall. Isn't that powerful, guys? It's right there. And why? Why are we like going after all the things in life we go after, guys? I mean, money, fame, success, just education for our kids. When, when God's word says, you want to go after something, man, go after wisdom. Silver? Wisdom's more profitable than silver. You invested in gold because you know what's coming up. Better yield from wisdom than gold. She's, worth more, pre- she's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Remember that Sinead O'Connor song, Nothing Compares to You? It's Prince, by the way, people. That's, that's her, that's wisdom singing. Nothing compares to me. Nothing, guys. And again, what the world loves to do is there's these new problems. There's these new ways to raise your kids because we need a new way, right? There's a new way to be in marriage. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Not what the Bible says, man. It says that what God designed, his wisdom, his power, it's again, it's ancient. It says that wisdom was there when God laid the foundation of the world. It was right there with him. I want to just take a minute and read this passage. Put my old man glasses on here. I couldn't fit it on the screen. But again, this is Proverbs talking about wisdom. Listen to what it says here. Proverbs 8, 22, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. And she's been around a long time. 
I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens up there in the sky. And this is my favorite part, guys. I want you to picture wisdom. I want you to picture God. I want you to picture their relationship at the beginning. She says, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always where? In his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Wisdom helps you see things differently. Wisdom helps you experience things differently. Sees the world differently in his presence. And then she ends that part with this. Now then, my children, she calls us her kids. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. I want to promise you this, guys. All, all this, this nonsense that we need a new way, and oh man, I just, we can't figure this out now. The wisest people you will meet in your life, the wisest men, the wisest women are the people that are always teaching you to spot, teaching you to point out what has always been true. What has always been true about you what has always been true about God? What has always been true about the world? What has always been true about sex and marriage and money and government and your emotions and what they do? It's all in there, guys. And wisdom wrote it at the beginning. And it's always been true. Find out, recognize, and spot what has always been true since the beginning. And it's important that we, we take time to clarify because people confuse wisdom a lot with intelligence, okay? This is why so many people think, oh, I'm not wise, I'm not smart, I got the IQ, you know, I can't pass the test, I'm not a smart person. This isn't about being smart, guys. We know this, right? How many times, let's just break this down for a minute. How many times, especially in modern day America, have you seen a very intelligent person, a person who might have a multi-million, maybe even billion dollar company, clearly knows a lot of stuff. They smart. And then they do something really dumb. They tweet something dumb. They take some pictures and they're found somewhere. They just do some dumb stuff. And you're like, bro, how could you be this smart and be this dumb? How is this happening? Wisdom. Wisdom, guys. I mean, some of the smartest people I've met can be dumb as a box of rock. I wanted to share so many stories. I'm like, well, they're going to know who I'm talking about. I can't say it. I can't say it. So we're not talking about being smart. We're talking about the heart. Not the heart, the physical organ. Wisdom, the Bible, over and over and over, guys, is referring to the heart. It's referring to the inner world. It's referring to the place where we really live. As a pastor, as a human being, I'm fascinated because I sit in rooms with people. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know. I'm looking at people, but you get someone at a coffee table. You sit someone down at the potluck afterward, okay? And a person you didn't know, all of a sudden they open up and they start talking and you're invited into their inner world, their heart. They're in a tough place. They're in a great place. They're in a mixed up place. They're not really sure where they're at. There's so much happening here, but this is your life in here, guys. This is where we live from. This is what wisdom deals with, with the heart. In fact, one of my favorite proverbs, I memorized this long ago. I just sometimes, I have to speak it like a mantra over myself. That wisdom encourages us, man, above everything. Listen, can you hear the, the importance there, man? Above all else, you got to guard this thing right here. Again, it's not talking about eating your Cheerios every day. Probably good if you do. But it's talking about guarding the life, the wisdom, the way God wanted you to see yourself always from the beginning and the world the way he wants you to see. Guard that thing. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. Again, man, we're talking about life and death. And again, these aren't the physical things. We're talking about the spiritual things. I'm talking about as a pastor, you know, walking into rooms with people that sometimes they're, they're dying. I'm walking into rooms with people that are struggling with crazy things in their life. And they're the most alive people I've ever met. And I've done the same. I've sat down with people that make all kinds of money. They really have nothing discernible going wrong. 
and there's something completely dead inside of them as they're talking to me. There's something that has happened in here, something that they've begun to believe in their heart that they didn't guard, and they're dying. This is what wisdom is dealing with today, guys, and for all of us, our heart. We can hear this from Jesus. He's talking about, you know, we think, again, he came to make a transaction to just get us there one day. And man, guys, as we go through Luke, look at what he's doing. Look at how he's living his life. Look how important life right here, right now. You are so important to him right now. And he knows that there's some people that are brokenhearted. Something in here is wrong. He says, man, I've come to heal that thing. I want to come to show you what life really is. I have come that you can have life. Not just life, actually. He says abundant life, like a full tilt boogie, rock the mic two times on a funky fresh. Let's go, life. That's what he wants for you guys, man. He hates when people live from that broken place. So again, but life is defined in his terms. So as we get into these wisdom books, as we get into the Bible, we begin to see what does that look like? Because we know what an alive life is, right? When I'm, I'm hitting, you know, Straight A's, and I'm at the top of the company, and the money's rolling in. And and the book of Proverbs begin to show us, the authors begin to show us what what it really looks like to have this life flow. I loved this one. This this one wisdom author saying, man, God, two things I ask of you. Man, don't refuse me before I die. Hey, number one, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Man, wouldn't it be great to just be a truth teller in your life, guys? To live in the truth, to tell the truth. That's a good thing, but this this is the thing I love. Second thing, he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Well, I don't know about you. I'm like, give me the riches, right? Woo, let's go. Come on, God, I'll take all the blessings you can give me. This guy's saying, actually, I don't want either. But give me only my daily bread. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Where did the Proverbs guy rip that off from? Oh, wait, actually, it's the other way around. This is the ancient book. This is the, the thing that's always been true, the, the, the tradition. And thousands of years later, we see Jesus encouraging people to pray, give me my daily bread. He's being filled with this wisdom. He's growing in this wisdom. And why is it important? They unpack it right there. Man, God, you know why I don't want to be rich? I might have too much and disown you. Jesus isn't inherently against riches, guys. God isn't either. You know the problem when you're rich? You don't have to deal with your problems. I'm in a bad day. We're going to Bermuda. <laughs> Wife's angry. That's okay, babe. We're going to redo the house again. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go get myself a little Benz or Honda Ridgeline or, uh, you know, money buying people out of all kind of problems. God, well, I don't need that. But on the opposite end, he says, man, don't let me become poor, though, God, where all of a sudden I'm making decisions I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever make, doing things I wouldn't ever do. And I'm dishonoring the name of the Lord my God. Do you see what's happening in the heart, in the wisdom that God wants to give us? So we start seeing these things about the heart in Proverbs, in the scriptures. A heart at peace gives life to the body. It literally affects your body. Don't we know that's true? But envy, when I'm looking at my neighbor's addition they're putting on now, when I'm looking at the fact that my daughter drives a better car than me, when I'm looking at the fact that that dude got the promotion when we all know I deserved it, rots the bones. In America, man, we're all on fake book looking at people's stuff, wishing I had their marriage, wishing maybe I had their kids. God's like, man, I want you to live in a place where you can have such peace with your life because I don't want your bones being rotten looking at everybody else. All the days of the oppressed are wretched. Who doesn't know people like this? It doesn't seem to matter what job, what relationship, what state, what thing. There's just something in them wretched. But the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Again, these people that can seemingly walk through any circumstance, any situation, and they're wise enough to see things, that they just seem to be having a good day every day even while there's very hard things happening in their life. This is the wisdom we're talking about, guys. And it's important because another key thing, we're thinking wisdom is is for us. God bless me. God bless my family. But in wisdom, man, God values relationship over rules. 
In fact, the rules and the laws that God sets up in our life, guys, are really to help us have good relationships. The rules are for us to have an incredible relationship with God. The rules are to have an incredible relationship with our kids and our wives and our spouses and our families and our friends and our community. That's why they're there. They're not there to just so we can knock people for breaking the rules, man. It's always about oneness and community and relationships, which is why God and wisdom and Proverbs deal so much with our emotions. It's where we live in here, right? And I want us to think about the problems we have in relationships, especially now in modern-day America. I feel like every day we're pulling up something about some people group, something, and this person did this mad, and, you know, and now these guys are angry, and what's happening? When, when something's going down in America, what are we seeing? People sitting down talking? Rage. I mean, even when we see these mass shooting guys, pretty much always behind it is someone that was mad about something. Protest, someone mad about something. All this chaos, because that's what we do, right? I'm not going to be a doormat. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to break some stuff, man. I'm going to hurt some people. Mockers stir up a city. Mockers want to turn things over. Mockers want to go nuts but the wise turn away anger. Fools? Oh, let's go there. What did she tweet on me? Oh, let's, I can tweet back something. Wait till this, she sees this one, man. Uh. Oh, you riding my bumper? I'm gonna break check you. I give full vent to my rage. But the wise, but the wise bring calm in the end. Fools show their annoyance at once. Ooh, this one hurt me, man. This one hurt me. My kids are like, amen, amen. Maybe my wife too. Struggled with this my whole life, man. Just, <laughs> I just got to show you. But the prudent, man, they, they learn. I'm going to overlook that right now, man. So again, I want you to think about our society. I want you to think about us. And I want you to think about Jesus and why his life mattered so much. And how he lived in that space while he was facing all of those things. Walking through, actually, guys, tougher times than we were. They're crucifying people in public. Babies are being laid out for exposure. You'd think he'd just be right. And we see this man, this wise man, walking around. I like to tell the guys, you know, um, in our men's group, I said, man, when was, when was any time you saw someone just going off, you know, these people just going off about whatever, man, I'm just going to tell people, I'm going to get online and make a little video and tell people what I think. You're like, oh, wow, there's a wise man. Look at that. Let's rewind that and play that again. Ooh, buddy. Versus the man, versus the woman. They can control that and value the relationships, value the people, know that there's a bigger story being told. Powerful, guys, the, the heart. And the reason it's so hard is this. We want it to be logical. I, I think that's understandable, right? We have an idea, a way wisdom should work. It can be something as simple as, okay, I do these good things, and then God does this for me, okay? I work hard, and I get the promotion, I teach my kids this stuff and my kids behave all the time. I take care of my body and I never get sick. That makes sense to me, guys. I'd love to live in that world. There's a problem. God's wisdom isn't logical. It's theological. It's God's logic. Because again, his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts, okay? There's a proverb that says there's a way that seems right to a man. You guys know this one? There's a way that seems right. Okay, this is what I do. I raise my kids. I potty train at this point. I send them to a Christian school. Then they go get their degree. Then they find a little something. They get married. It's the way it seems right. But man, if I just follow that, in the end, it can lead me to death. What I've got to do always is uh, uh, this verse here, guys. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? Basically, it has to say this, man. I know what I want, and it's not wrong to want things for our kids, right? It's not wrong to want things in our marriage, but what I have to do more than anything, say, God, if anything comes into my heart and my life that you don't want, what I want to do more than anything is be literally afraid. I want to be afraid that I might miss the life that you have for me. God, I want to be afraid that I might miss the life that you have for my children. And if anything I'm doing, if I think it's got to be Christian school, but you're saying public, okay, giddy up. Doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to do that, God. You see how wisdom is different, guys? 
I didn't, make, I didn't want this. God, I didn't want to not have kids. There's all kind of different things. It's the, I've got, I've got to want God's way more than I want my own way. Why is that? Because God has made it real clear, guys. Again, your wisdom, I'm not down with that. I mean, that's foolishness. All of these things in 1 Corinthians is a master class in the way God thinks. It's like, listen, I don't need your wisdom, man. The fool, my foolishness, God says. What's a fascinating scripture, isn't it? The foolishness of God is wiser than what you and I can concoct. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that tells these stories. It's not logical, guys. It's theological, and we got to be ready for it at any moment. Think of these, the way God reveals his wisdom in these stories. And we love to look at these names. We're like, oh, these are the heroes of our faith. Would any of us, living for 100 years with no kids, you know, being promised that a great nation was coming through me, because God says that, really be pumped up that 100, you're going to have a baby? I'm 52 people, and I don't want to have another baby. Okay? This is God logic. Why didn't he pick a young kid? Young couple, get the thing started. Well, like, you're in your prime, man. Abraham, a hundred. Joseph, God's wisdom, the things that this man had to go through, the, the things that were allowed in his life, also God could ensure, I'm, I need to protect this line of people that I've promised that I'm blessing to, and I need a man after my own heart to do it that's not gonna ask why, who, what. It's God logic, people. All the way down to Jesus. Think of all of these stories, man. Doesn't make sense. And they're the best stories in the world. And something that will happen as you walk in this tradition, what we see from Jesus, what we see from these people that have decided, man, it's not going to be my ways. I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow God. These wise men, these wise women realize they, they hit a place. They've tasted and seen that God is so good that they're going to speak this stuff no matter what. They're going to speak this life, even if it results in death, literal, metaphorical, because, guys, I promise you, this is what happens when you start walking in these things. Misery loves company. The world loves their ways. And I want you to think about every wise man, true wise man, that was bringing people together, that was working for the good of humanity. And almost unequivocally what happens is someone's either threatening their life or they actually get killed. We have people like Abraham Lincoln. We have people like Martin Luther King. We have Mahatma Gandhi. We have Jesus. What is so threatening about these people, man? because they've realized, I don't subscribe to your system anymore. They're the court jester looking at the king, laughing in his face and saying, that ain't gonna fly here, man. I serve someone bigger. I'm not afraid of you. I know what life really is, and I'm willing to die for it because I want these people to know it. That's the difference, guys, of a wise man and a wise woman. That's why, again, so many people don't want it. You gotta ask yourself, man, why would this get you killed? Why would this get you killed? And I'll tell you why, and I've told you why before, man, because what the world loves to do, and they're doing it every night when you turn on the TV. In fact, it's not every night now. It's 24-7, man. This is your enemy. This is who you need to hate. This is who you need to be afraid of, man. You should just do everything in your power to never not be rich. You should do everything in your power to vote out blah, 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 whoever it is. You should do everything in your power to stop this company they might even have some foul things, but man, what, what happens when you're truly wise and you realize, man, I love my enemies? I'm not afraid of anybody, man. First of all, I don't have any enemies because I love them. And it really results in, like Jesus said, man, just loving your neighbor. Guys, what would it, what would it look like in this church, man, if we could just follow this? How many problems would be solved in marriages today of people sitting in this room if they just took the wisdom of God, say, your wife's your enemy right now? Well, she's not mine, and I want you to love her. A neighbor who's driving you nuts, who infringed a, a, a quarter inch onto your, your tree lawn with their fence, man. I want you to love that guy. I want you to love that coworker. I want you to forgive that kid, that hate that you've been holding on to, man. Why? To make you look dumb? To give you life. 
That stuff's got power over you guys. And the final thing is this, and this is my most important point. This is what I see in that passage about Jesus being filled, Jesus growing. There's no way to go a little bit in this, guys, and this is what we do. Let me take a little bit, right? Let me take a little, like, little this here, and that sounds, oh, that proverb's kind of nice. Seeds. And that's what we all are, guys, man. They only grow when they completely surrender to the soil. You don't see a seed up there above the soil, like, looking at it, like, oh, man, I wonder what it would be like to get down in there. We could do a little study. That looks like a good spot. Oh, I'm sprouting. Mm-mm. Let me pick a little bit up and sprinkle a little on me, man. Seeds grow when they get planted in that thing and they get covered up. And you know what happens? They die so something new can live. And again, mark my words, all wise men, all wise women realize I'm just a little seed in this giant story, man. God, you tell me my story that you're telling me, and I'm going to let you take my little life and plant it in you, in this thing, and you let it grow and do what it needs to do. And you know what? They don't pull themselves out. They grow. You know what's funny? That, that phrase again, talking about Jesus, says, and Jesus grew in wisdom. Didn't say he was grown. Didn't say he completed it. It says he grew. Do you know that's our job, guys? Just to keep growing. That's why I stay planted in the soil. Oh, you're in it now with those kids? Oh, you're in it now in your marriage? What if you could just be in it now, in him, in that wisdom, in his life, in his reality? I promise you, then that stuff barely touches you. It's totally different. But here's what's fascinating, guys. Jesus is God, right? We know this. Fully God, fully man. Why would God need to grow in wisdom? Why would God want us to know that Jesus grew? Is he faking? I mean, he's got to know everything, right? Could he, Jesus could grow? Fully God, fully human. Here's what we don't do. We don't, we don't take into account the fully human part. Guys, Jesus Christ, fully, just like you, just like me, a human being walking through the earth that needed to grow in wisdom. Jesus needed help. Jesus didn't just walk around like a robot and just always make the right choice and just do the right thing. Jesus, the human, the son of God, but the human needed help. This is where I want to end. This is where I want you guys to get this. Let's look at what he says. Jesus speaking here, very truly I tell you, the son, Jesus, me, can do nothing by himself. Let's just stop right there. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? I can't do this by myself. Let's rewind this whole thing, guys. Let's rewind our crisis in life. We all feel like, man, as a parent, I just can't do this, man. As a husband, I just can't do this. As a spouse, I just can't do this, man. How are these other people figuring out? And we spend time wondering why we can't do it. And here we have Jesus as a human beautifully, powerfully saying, I can't do it by myself. Are you catching this, guys? He does what he sees the Father doing. Since I can't do it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at him. When I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to have eyes on him because their eyes are on me. And if I'm telling them to follow me, I better be following him because I'm a human right now and I need help. What's been true from the beginning, guys? Remember how do we spot wisdom? What's always been true? Humans created in God's image, have always needed God. He's our life source. Without him, man, we are nothing. And here Jesus is, has completely emptied himself. Philippians 2 says he he was God, but he's emptied himself right now and said, I'm willing to be obedient and step into this whole human thing, to be dependent on you, God, for everything. And we're beating ourselves up because we need help. And Jesus is like, hey, that's what I'm doing. And what does it say the Father's response is? Oh, my boy's looking at me. Mm, This is what I love. I'm going to show you. Yes, Jesus, this is what I'm doing because I love you. Thank you for looking at me. Guys, parents, why do we spend time being frustrated with the fact 
that you're human. Mom, newsflash, you know why you mess up? You're human. Dads, you know why you blow it and blow your stack sometimes? You're human. God doesn't want you to figure this out on your own. This was my father's favorite proverb. And again, guys, think about what it's telling us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why would God write that if there's something in me that I should trust? God doesn't want me to trust in me. He wants me to trust in the Lord with all my heart. Should I lean on my own understanding? Should I level up? Should I have something in here that I can trust after a while? Uh Uh-uh. I better not. I don't lean on my own understanding. In. I got to be in something. In all my ways, submit to him. He's the one that tells me where to go. He's the one that tells me what this life is going to look like. He's the one that gets to define what life is right now. Guys, do you see what I'm talking about? This is the best, most powerful place you can be. And I believe Man, God did so much work for me because I revered my father so much. He was such a good dad. But God's like, but you weren't the best kid, John. (laughs) You look at your dad as this wise man that had all the answers, and yet you messed it up all the time. I think maybe that's why this was his favorite verse. (laughs) Because every day my dad had to wake up and say, well, my stuff ain't working, but God, I trust you. I trust you're doing something with this boy. I trust that you're going to work in his life because, God, you promised me that if I train up a child, if I train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, I wish I could see it now. I mean, he's in his 30s. It'd be nice to see a little hint, but you promised me when he's old, he's not going to depart from it. That's the wisdom of God, guys. I'm just going to follow you, man. I'm going to trust in you. I don't see it. It doesn't make sense to me because it's theological. I'm just going to keep doing it. Trust in Jack Jacobs? No. Trust. This changed me, guys. As a parent, I realized, yeah, okay, God, don't got it. There she is. I'm going to trust in you. And still trusting, because you guys know, man, it never stops. Never stops. But what I love is as I, as I put this into my life, as it changed my parenting, that, that proverb came true. I realized that instead of trusting me, instead of trusting my wife, instead of trusting just you know, this book, or a, I trusted in God. Wisdom became my companion. And God became my companion. The word of God becomes alive and active. I wasn't just grinding it out now as a dad. Then I was constantly at his side. I'm walking through this thing with him, man. That's what wisdom tells me. I need to walk through this thing with Jesus, and he promised he'd never leave me or forsake me. So Jesus, please, need you today, buddy. Show up. I could use your life and your wisdom. I was filled with delight then day after day. This isn't on me. I just got to follow him. I just got to do what he's saying, no matter the results I can see right now. Oh, man, what a better way to live because I'm in his presence, you know? He's okay with it. I got to be okay with it right now. I may not like it, but I'm rejoicing because I'm here with him. We're going through it together. Rejoicing in the world the way he sees it. Delighting in mankind. That God, you're moving, you're working because you're a promise keeper. Changed everything for me, guys. To know, hey, you know, it's not good. It's not bad. It's where we're at right now. And somehow God is using all this mess to do something. And I'm going to see it one day here or on the other side of heaven. And that little girl that, man, a year ago was like right where I was. Kayla, is, God's, God's so funny, guys. Kayla is so much of me. <laughs> I'm this guy. You're not going to tell me what to do. And just nothing could get through to this girl. And just think, God, I trust you. Like, please. You know. And y'all know what happened. It's one of the worst pictures I've ever seen. And it's probably one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen. Because if you can't see the wisdom of my God, you're crazy. Oh, but John, hold on a minute. You said she's 22. Unmarried. Bartender. And she lives in Toledo, Ohio. I don't know if you've been to Toledo, Ohio recently. Not the greatest place. Sorry, Brian, work. (laughs) Doesn't sound real good. You know what? It's not. But is it bad? What does wisdom tell you guys? Is it bad? Should we take it back? Do you see what's happening in this? 
Man, God was showing me some stuff. He said, remember that little girl with those clenched fists? Look how wide open those hands are. Look how wide open those hands are. And she's not standing in defiance. She's beat. She is tired. She's laying down. And those eyes aren't locked up in defiance and defense. They are shut in awe and terror and like, what in the world is happening? I'm happy. I'm sad. I've got all this stuff going around in my life. And, what I, and this is God's perfect context, people. The thing that we can never do, sometimes he comes and says, you're going to love something bigger than yourself. And I'm going to lead you through this, man. It's not going to make a lot of sense in the meantime. But this is where I work. This is where I operate. When you begin to realize, you say, I can't do this, man. I'm not equipped to be a mom. I'm not wise enough. We're in it now. And I've watched God already. Just, man, guys, celebrate the little thing. I watched him change her. And I know what's coming because I know how he changed me with my kids. So embarrassed of some of the things I've done, but man, I wouldn't take anything back because not knowing what I was doing pushed me, pushed me into God's wisdom, pushed me into trusting him. So I've already gone over, but I, I want to end with this. I, uh, I wrote her something after Nico was born, knowing again how God works in that, knowing that this is how she's feeling. Come on, man. You don't think she's feeling like, I, I don't know. God, I think you made a mistake. I think you got the wrong girl. Maybe I should have done what my friend said and just ended this thing, wiped it out, and I wanted her to know something. So I wrote her this. Kayla Grace, my Kayla Grace, there were so many times when I was in over my head with you, but this was the first day I knew it. Were you three, four? Man, you balled up your fists, pounded your tiny thighs, your lips were pursed, teeth were clenched, you were huffing through your little nose repeatedly, and you were looking me dead in the eyes, locked. And you never said a word, you didn't have to. Those little fists pummeling your pants said it all. I defy you. I'd been a father for over a decade, I had a handful of victories and a ton of mistakes, but after all these years, I was completely unprepared for my first showdown at the OK Corral with little Miss Kayla Grace. No kid is a cakewalk, you gotta take control, and I was pretty good right then at getting control. I could bend Jack with a look, I could grab Jazz with the tone of my voice, but girl, there you were, and I couldn't move you with a crowbar. Honestly, you weren't a bad kid, you weren't, you ran, like the wind, you laughed, you sang, you smiled like the sky would split and heaven would spill all over me. But on that day, for the first time, I found out that there's this place inside of you, right, wrong, or otherwise, where determination falls like water from a mountaintop. Furious, foaming white, bouncing along the boulders, sweeping away all the weakness around it, and giving life to those fortunate enough to drink when those waters finally fall still. So, Kayla... There's a wildness in you, Kayla Grace, of the most terrifying sort, of the most beautiful sort. I stood there that day in awe of both. Your fist clenched despite my repeated demands to let him go. A wildness I couldn't control. It's a place every parent fears. It's a place every parent faces. I saw it as those little toes scaled every obstacle we surrounded you with. I saw it when you were scratching, climbing, and roaring in a wrestling match with your big brother that you were losing but refusing to stop long after the fight was done. I saw it when you dropped the shoulder on those girls who had no idea they'd bitten off more than they could chew on the soccer field. You don't tame the wild. You appreciate it. You marvel at its beautiful branches, admire its strength, stand beneath its stars, and let the smallness of yourself swallow you whole. You do anything but control it. But man, I didn't know. I saw that tight lip, those angry eyes, and your curled little fingers, and you best believe I was going to get control. I never did. I still haven't. God knows I tried. Thank God I failed. Kayla Grace, tonight, my heart's drumming to the rhythm of those little fists pushing blood to my brain where I see those tiny toes of yours planted on that mountain of defiance, determination, and resolve. I've doubted so many times if I could be man enough to father your life. When all along, the one thing I always knew was that no matter what, 
the place you belonged was here with me. You're going to doubt too. Maybe Nico's a screamer. He's pretty good. He's in the back right now. A whiner, a class clown, or the quiet kid. Maybe he won't have your fire. Maybe he's going to eclipse your bright light. But for sure, in the dark of night like me, you will doubt. Know this. God knew the best place for him to be was right there with you in your arms. So I'll always know where to find him, the place God made for Nico before the foundation of the world, the perfect place with you, my daughter, his mother, the place he will always belong, where the wild things are. I'd given her that book. Guys, the point I wanted to make with her, the point I want to make with you, the point that God has made in my life, man, he never wanted me to control that little girl. He doesn't want me to control all this stuff in life. If all that had been done, I would never be this close to God. I would never be able to relate to you in the way that I can when people are going through that stuff. Do you see this is how it connects us, how God takes this trouble? We'd all just be sitting home eating popcorn and doing who knows what. I don't even know. And instead, God in his wisdom knew because he wanted us to relate. He wanted us to relate to him and to each other. I'm going to give you this crazy, wild child, and you're going to love her so much and want to walk away, but you can't. So walk to me. Follow me. And I want her to know the same thing. You're going to feel so overwhelmed, girl, but don't trust yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't, don't, please, Kayla, please, you guys, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He's the one. He wants to direct your path. And oh, I promise you, it's life. So Father, as we're sitting here, I am so thankful, God, for failure. God, I'm so thankful in your wisdom that you knew the only way we would come, the only way we would seek you, the only way we would find that thrill and joy of you saving us from this life, from these moments, from ourselves, was to let all this happen. And Jesus, I'm beyond grateful that you, being God, said, I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to walk just like them right now so they know I'm right there with you. I've been in your shoes, literally, and I was faithful. And God, I pray that you would have moms that would walk out of here and know the best place they can be is saying, I don't know what I'm doing. You're saying, great, I'm in it with you now. I pray that there's dads knowing and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. That's awesome, because I do. Follow me, son. Be with me, son. And I pray if there's people with addictions, people with emotional problems, anything where they're saying, I can't do it. I don't know enough. I don't have enough. God, that they see you nodding, arms wide open. I've known it all along. I've known you're human. I'm here to help. Let me help you. Let me give you what you need. And they'd surrender, God. They'd plant themselves in you. Plant themselves in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.